anger. Uh, managing the stress of anger. And, and anger, it's, it's a really important message because anger is something that affects all of us. In fact, I remember my first little church in Hartsville, South Carolina. Uh, I, I was pastoring there about seven months, and I was on my way, and Janet and I, we hadn't any children yet. Uh, this is way back when I was in my 20s. And uh, I'll never forget, it was on a Monday morning, and I was in my office. It was a little small office. And um, I heard the front doors of the church, boom, open up, and someone come really... Uh, angrily coming into the facility. And so I heard this person walk in. I'm like, wow. I mean, this had a heavy walk. And I just sat in my office, didn't know what to expect. And my door opened up. And here was a six foot five, overweight, red faced, red hair, angry man. Uh, his name was Harrison Tyler. I'll never forget that. And he walked in the door of the church. I'd never seen the man in my life. He goes, I'm a member here. I went, great. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm a member here and I'm mad. And I'm like, okay, very good. And I honestly thought he was going to beat me up. I only did. I was a, back then, I was a, Kim, I was 156 pounds. And uh, so I sat there and I went, yeah, okay, well, great. Let's, let's talk about it. And he goes, no, I, I prefer to stand up and tell you right from here. So we, he went on for about an hour on a rant with me how angry he was with this church. And I kept thinking to myself, he can't be angry at me because I've never met the guy. So uh, he went on and on and, and just, just livid. And his eyes were just fiery and he had clenched fists as he was sharing this with me. And he went on and on. And he basically the problem was he was an usher. And as they were passing trays, someone thought that he reached in and took a $20 bill out of the offering tray. And they accused him of that, and the word spread throughout that church. And I don't believe it. I don't believe the guy would have taken a, a flea off a dog. And uh, this guy, he became very angry. Insomuch, he quit the church immediately. And for all these years, years, uh, he had been mad at the church. I'd only been at the church for seven months. Come to find out, it happened like 15 years earlier. For 15 years, this man had quit going to church. For 15 years, this man has been fuming, angry, and mad. Wouldn't even enter the door of a church because of what happened. And uh, so anyway, I sat down, I tried to talk to this man, and I tried to reason with him. And, and so I said, well, the people that accused you of this and started this rumor, and he said, I know who they are, you know, and I, rah, 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 so he went on. And then as he's sharing all this stuff with me, I come to find out, I said, well, let's go to these people. Let's get this thing resolved. And I said, God wants you to get victory. He don't want you to be carrying this anger with you like this. He said, well, I, I can't. I won't. I said, well, why? He goes, well, they've been dead for seven or eight years. I said, so we're angry at someone who's dead. And I said, so you're left with this bag of anger. This is not good. So we sat there. I said, how are we going to, how are we going to work through this? And I talked to him about, you know, forgiveness and how we got to forgive. And if, if we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us. And so I went back to the basics of all of this. And so finally, toward the end of the thing, the, the man really melted. And, 
he prayed and he asked God to forgive him. And, and really, that was a, a breakthrough. And he was even in church the following Sunday. But it was just a few weeks later after he got in church, he died of a, of a massive heart attack in his mid-50s. And I think over all those years of that pent-up anger, it just deteriorated his health. And I thought to myself, this man, because of the wagging tongue of one person, really destroyed, burned down 15 years of his Christian service. And not only that, it, you know, it impacted the church because I really believe he was a good man. And um, it really did some damage. But anger. We live in a very angry world. In fact, today I, I want to speak on the subject on managing the stress of anger. Uh, and I, I believe that America is an angry place. It's been dubbed as the United States of rage. In fact, rage is all about us. Road rage, air rage, office rage, and then cell rage, computer rage. Rage is a word of the moment. People are angry. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to, to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Rage, anger. Did you know that just last year over 30,000 people were killed by another person because of unchecked anger? In fact, I watch sometimes 48 hours in ID. My wife tells me I watch ID too many times. And I watch that because I'm, these are real stories about real people that actually embrace rage and anger and it moves them to the place of murder. In fact, sadly, these murders are the tip of the iceberg of one million workers injured each year in violent attacks by other co-workers. The angry American is dangerous. In fact, I, I was in the city of Baltimore not too long ago, and I was, just before I got to Baltimore, I heard this statistic that, that there's more crime now committed in the city of Baltimore, the murders. In fact, I stopped in and went through a Dunkin' Donut, and I went in there. You can feel the tension in the major cities of our, our, of our country. It uh, wasn't too terribly long ago I, I had a chance to go through Chicago, and wow, you sense the tension of anger you, in fact, they said in California, the tension out there, out west, is tight with anger. St. Louis, a high area of crime, there's a lot of anger on the streets. New York City, some of these Los Angeles, some of these major cities in our country, there's, there's a seething spirit of rage and anger all around us. And you never know when someone's just going to step in front of us and to unleash their anger and do something crazy. We hear about these shootings of, of active shooters that break into churches and break into public places and just, they're angry at the world and they just want to lash out and they just want to kill and harm people to, to just vent with their anger. Most of us know something about anger because we've experienced it. it it's part of our emotional survival gear. 
Experiencing something, though, isn't the same as understanding or trying to control it. Few of us would like to admit, but we, we, we hate to admit it, but we do battle with this thing called anger that can sometimes be a really dangerous poison that affects our whole countenance. And while we can easily see the mismanagement of anger in the lives of brothers and sisters and the Lord at church, sometimes we seldom see it in our own personal lives. Yet countless marriages and families have eroded away and destroyed by anger. And many have lost good friends and they've lost great relationships because of uncontrolled anger, issues that we don't really deal with. The world believes that anger is a necessary part of man's evolutionary development. And that'd be helpful if we didn't believe, as the scripture teaches, that we were designed and made in the image of God. One of the best prescriptions of anger is found in my text this morning. The Bible says, let us be slow to speak, slow to anger, and be quick to hear. Anthropologists have discovered that anger is universal. That simply means that anger is experienced in every culture of the world. And that it's, it, it's in all ages. And it's, it's also throughout the world. It's prevalent in every culture experienced by every generation, and no one is isolated from the toxic poison of anger. It permeates each of us. It permeates our soul and can spoil the most intimate relationships. Anger is just part of our human nature, our fallen human nature. And while Christians are a redeemed people, this is true even in our Christian homes and our churches. Like I talked about Harrison Tyler, this man who for 15 years, the seething anger eroded away his relationship with God. It's noteworthy as there have been cultural increase of anger because of the political landscape of the land and because of the economic landscape and because of the problems of society, a breakdown of the human family, the breakdown of society, the disrespect for the police and authority, it's unreal what we're seeing, the unraveling of a nation. And it's my prayer that we get to the root cause of the problem, and that is we need a God that can resolve the conflict of anger in our world. We need Jesus in this 21st century. We need him now. Amen. We need him. Amen. We can also see the surface of anger through the increase of cursing. We see here more cursing today than we've ever heard before. You know, I've lived for 64 years, and I've, I've heard more people use profanity in this generation, in this time, more than ever. Some people can't express all of these emotions at the same time, so they, they just... Unleash all of this anger by words that are horrible, a simple and single outburst. Most swearing and cursing is, is to release anger and fear and frustration. One psychologist who dealt only with the psychology of airplane crashes made an interesting observation, pointing out that the last recorded words of most pilots before they crashed were a litany of curse words. The pilots couldn't express or didn't have time to express all of their emotions, so they just began swearing and cursing. When people swear, they may be indicating that there's a lot of other things going on in their life, just as if and when they lose their temper. 
So anger affects every person. Anger affects race, sex, nationality, age, from a screaming toddler to a, an elderly person red in the face with rage, or from the wealthy businessman to the impoverished housewife, from the cold of the Arctic to the heat of the Sahara, from the war zone to a tropical desert. It's a behavior known to all. And regardless of how peaceful or passive a person may seem or desire to be, everyone gets angered at times in their life. But if it goes unchecked, it can do great damage to the soul and spirit. They say that the average man loses his temper six times a week. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. Women get often angry at people where a man can get angry at a car, at a computer, or sports equipment. And we're more likely to express our anger at home more than anywhere else. Anger is most frequent and intense toward those we love and sometimes not toward strangers. They say that Crimes of passion happen in the family. The fact that everyone gets angry is not a justification for it. Because anger is universal. It's not an excuse for getting angry, nor is it an excuse for failing to deal with that anger or failing to direct it toward godly goals. Someone once said that life is unfair. Absolutely it is. Satan upset the beauty of life. He brought confusion into this world. And Jesus Christ has come to deliver us and take us to a better place where anger will not be found and where peace and harmony will be forever. And righteousness will rule with Christ forever. And all God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. What is anger is our first big thought. What is anger? I like what Proverbs 30, 33 says, as the beating of the cream yields butter and striking the nose causes bleeding, so stirring up anger causes quarrels. Defining and explaining anger is, is like trying to explain love. It's easier to experience it than to explain it. And, and let's attempt to come up with a working definition of anger according to the Bible. First of all, our anger is an active response. It's an action. It's an activity. Anger is something we do. It's not something we possess. It's not a thing. It's not a fluid. Neither is it a force. The Bible consistently pictures people who practice anger. We don't just possess it. We practice it. So our anger is an active response. And then number two, our anger involves our whole person. It involves our entire being. It engages our whole person. That's the biblical perspective on anger. Anger is more than merely emotion or volition or cognitive behavior. Scripture resists all of these simplistic schemes. Anger is very complex. It comprises the whole person and encompasses our whole package of beliefs and our feelings and actions and desires. So it affects the whole person. And then our anger is a response against something. In fact, it doesn't arise in a vacuum by itself or it just appears out of nowhere. It reacts against anything that is provoked or violated. When people feel violated or when they see something that is not right, it brings feelings of anger. Our anger also arises from a sense of injustice. That's why we call anger a moral emotion. Anger protests 
what you did was wrong. It pronounces that action is unjust. It pleads, this must stop. Anger objects to wrongs committed and is directed toward what we determine to be evil. Our anger also involves personal perception. In anger, we perceive some action, object, or situation, or a person to be evil or unjust. And the problem is, obviously, our perceptions can either be right or wrong. We may assess the other person's actions in correct or incorrect ways, further complicating matters if reacting in the wrong way. Sometimes we don't have all the facts, and we look at something, and we think something is a certain way, and we jump to the conclusion, and it triggers our emotion, and sometimes we act, react negatively. Anger is always stimulated by something, by some event. We don't sit down and say, oh, I think I now will experience anger today. It never happens like that. Anger is a response to some negative event in our life that causes irritation, frustration, and pain, and some other displeasure. And we as human beings are like bulldogs. We hang on to something and we rehearse it time and time again. And it's just like that proverbial volcano. We suppress and we suppress these negative feelings, and all of a sudden, all of this comes to a surface, and it spoils our life. So what is anger? It is unchecked feelings that are never dealt with and never brought to the blood of Jesus and receiving the forgiveness of the Lord. And then number two, anger can be very expensive. In fact, Proverbs 14, 29 says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. There was a lady spending about three and a half hours enduring the long lines and rude clerks and tedious regulations at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Been there, done that. And this woman stopped by a toy store to pick up a gift for her son because of his birthday. And she brought her selection to the counter, and it was a baseball bat to the cashier. And the cashier looked at the lady and she said, will it be cash or charge? And she snapped at the woman and she said, cash. Then apologizing for her rudeness, after a few moments, she explained, I just spent three and a half hours in the DMV. And the cashier took a step backward and said, shall I gift wrap the bat or do you want to take it back to the DMV? We can do some crazy things when we allow our anger to take hold of us. I don't know about you, but my anger triggers me and gets me in trouble at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning where my mind just goes crazy. And by the morning time, the sun comes up, I have to put my feet back on the real world, and I've got to say, Lord, I'm a preacher. <laughs> I can't do that. I got to, I'm a follower of Christ. I cannot do that. And we have to do something with anger. Anger can be one of the most destructive, costly things in our life. It affects our lives physically, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. It influences our performance in completing tasks or fulfilling our work responsibilities. Anger is never entirely self-contained. It always has consequences that touches those around us. And if we don't control the temper, the Bible says it wreaks havoc in our life. And it leaves a trail of carnage behind us. 
I've talked to people that got so obsessed with something that they were upset about. And I've tried to talk them down, and I could tell they were not going to get happy until they went in there and confronted and had an Armageddon experience. And by the end of the day, they're calling me, I lost my job today. Well, why'd you lose your job? Well, you, don't, you won't believe what I did. And then after thinking about the whole thing and putting it all in perspective, they thought to themselves, how foolish. More important, anger has a an impact on our spiritual life with God. Anger affects us personally in a number of ways. Anger can affect your health. Medical researchers are now finding out that a significant number of serious diseases, including the most deadly, the high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and all of these, and even the areas of serious smoking, anger is on the equal footing with all of these. Prolonged anger over a period of time can erode away the health of a human being has a lasting effect also anger contaminates your attitude and behavior you don't realize it but it flavors who you are when you're angry you lose that smile you lose that joy you lose that peace there's this heaviness that comes over you there's this pensive spirit about you that just seems to cause you to withdraw from those who love you and you don't realize it but anger has a way to seep into the cracks and the formations of the soul and the spirit and changes who you are as a person They say that when people become angry, they become obstructive in their behavior in groups of people. They become cynical, finding fault in everyone around them. They become to to fulfill and jabbing jokes as an indirect way of of venting or falling into a depression, sliding into periods of discouragement and despair, sleeplessness. Anger can disrupt sleep patterns and keep people from getting the full night's rest that they need. No wonder the scripture urges us, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath or your anger. Ephesians 4.26. Anger pollutes your perspective. When someone gets angry, when I think about this Harrison Tyler, I always think about that because it, it angered his perspective. He went out and said, oh, churches are bad. The truth of the matter is that's not true. One bad situation does not mean that you throw the baby out with the wash. It does not mean that, that every... So it changes your perspective and it can alter your course and direction of life. And it can cause you to miss, miss God's will for your life. Anger. You got to keep it in check. You can lose your perspective. Also, their thoughts are poisoned. Angered poisons relationships, especially those that matter most to you. The greater your anger, the greater the potential of long-lasting negative impact, even on those you're not even angry with. It affects your relationship with God. And then number three, and that is the best prescription for an angry heart, is our text in verse 19 and 20 in James chapter 1. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There are three doses of instruction for us here. Number one, a receptive heart has open ears. Quick to hear. 
You see, I believe listening is a vital need in the church today. Our world is a place for fast food, 30-second TV commercials, five-second sound bites. We've, we've devolved into a culture <clears throat> of poor listeners. We have a child attention span, both to God and with each other. The majority of our conversations, even between married couples, are dialogues of the deaf. The devotional prayer of modern man is, speak to me, Lord. You got 10 seconds. A receptive heart has to have open ears, quick to hear. There are a lot of things that happen around us that are unjust and unfair. And let me tell you something. As long as you're living in this world, buckle up. There's going to be a lot of things wrong in life. If you're looking for a perfect life, it's not going to happen in this world. It's going to happen. People are going to fail you. Problems are going to happen. Things are going to break down. It, it's going to happen. People are going to be disappointed. But you've got to create a margin in all of this in life. Someone said, the reason I like to go to football games is because it's the only place in life where you can go to see everything run by the rules right. But even there, every time I watch it, everybody's fighting on the field because they want to kill the ref. I wouldn't want to wear no black and white shirt. You'll get it on both sides. A receptive heart has opened here. He says, be quick to hear. In other words, before your emotions just charge forward, slow up a little bit. If, if someone's bothering you, maybe they've gone through some pain, something painful in their life and they're just lashing out. Sometimes if we stop and we are quick to hear what's going on and ask God to give us a spirit of understanding, it'll help us, the areas of anger. And then a receptive heart has a slow tongue, slow to speak. Hmm. Listen, I'm amazed I have... A full tongue, because I have many times bit my tongue. <laughs> when someone has said something sharp to me, I just wanted to come back with a, I, I, I'm good to think later. I tell my wife all the time, I'm, I'm, I'm post-reactor. Um, someone will say something, and it takes me a while, but boy, do I come up with a good zinger an hour later. <laughs> I say, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. And there are times I've just bit my tongue, and I'm, I look back at those days in my life or, or those situations in life where I, I, I look back and I said, thank God I kept my mouth shut. Thank God I didn't say anything. Sometimes we feel we got to comment on everything. Sometimes we feel we just got to say something. Sometimes the best thing to do is just sit on it and not say a thing. Let things play out in God's way. Our listening is hampered and our anger is stewing because we spend most of our time thinking about what we're going to say next. Sometimes we envision ourselves being in a courtroom and we have an arbitrator and we're thinking how we're going to defend ourselves. What James is saying, he's calling for us to use common sense to think before we speak. Oftentimes we open our mouths just long enough to change our feet. And then thirdly, he says, a receptive heart has a long fuse, slow to anger. How do you respond when the Bible convicts you? Do you get angry, defensive thinking? An angry spirit is never a listening, teachable spirit. I've come to the place where I am in my life. I don't know everything. I don't. 
There are so many circumstances. Life is complex. Problems, layers of problems in people's lives. We don't understand why people react the way they do or why they say and what they do. I don't understand everything. And I'm not even going to try to pretend like I know it all. All I know is, God, give me patience to deal with a hurting world around me. Give me patience. James says, be slow to anger. Before you light that fuse and you just fly into the situation, he says, slow up. Too many of us have seen the sin of anger rip apart our families and churches. Unbridled anger is a devastating sin that creates distance in relationships. My father-in-law, God love him, he's been with the Lord now since 2004. He was a great pastor for... 60 years he pastored St. Church. And uh, when he resigned, he became a pastor emeritus. And many churches called on my father-in-law as a pastor to come preach for them for what, what he would call pulpit fills. In other words, some churches don't have a pastor, so they would, they would call him, and, and he'd be invited to these churches, and he'd fill in pastoring, preaching, just preaching in their church on Sunday mornings, and and he enjoyed that. He said, I enjoy that because I don't have to get pulled into any meetings or discussions or problems. He just, I preach the word and say, God love you all and leave. He loved it. He said, Tim, that's the life right there. That's the life. But he said he got invited to one church. And he said, I got up to preach that morning. He says, I felt like I was preaching in a morgue. He said, I never saw so many sour, tense people in my entire life. One half of the church people were mad at the other side, and the church was literally physically divided. The A team sat on this side, the B team sat on this side, and there was great tension. He says, I tried to preach, and the whole time I could tell there was no receptivity at all. There was such an angry spirit with that congregation. And they loved his message, and they, they invited him back. And in fact, one deacon said, we have a congregational business meeting on Monday night. Would you come and arbitrate? GL looked at, might say my father-in-law's name. He looked at them and said, are you kidding me? I'm in my 70s, and you want me to arbitrate in a meeting where it looks like taking a sledgehammer, busting the door of hell? No. He said, I don't want to get in that. He said, Tim, there was so much anger in that church. He says, during that week, around Thursday, he said, I got a phone call early in the morning, and they wanted me to come back and preach again. He said, nope. He said, I can't deal with it. He said, when you get older, Tim, your nerves get bad. You can't deal with stuff like you can when you're young. He said, you know, I, even though I'm removed, I don't know the people. I'm just there. He says, I cannot deal with that acid, that toxic spirit of anger. He wouldn't do it. Slow to anger. When we are quick to become angry, it affects not only our families, it affects the body of Christ. Jesus labeled angered as the root sin behind murder. Paul warned that unchecked anger gives the devil a foothold in your life, and yet it's tolerated in many homes and in many churches. We need to listen to what James says. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You say, but you don't understand what this person did to me. 
Stand in line. We all have got grievances. One of Aesop's fables is the story of the lion and the bear. On a summer day when the great heat induced a general thirst among all the beasts of the fields, a lion and a boar came at the same moment to, to a small well to drink water, and they fiercely disputed which of them would drink first. And soon they were engaged in the agonies of, more, um, uh, of mortal combat. And when they suddenly stopped to catch their breath for a fierce renewal of their fight, they saw some vultures waiting in the distance, flying above them to feast on them, or one of them, should they fall first. Immediately, the lion and the boar thought to themselves, this is not too profitable. They at once made up, ceasing their quarrel, saying, it is better for us to make friends than become the food of crows and vultures. How wise. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Keep it. Guard it. Guard it. If your heart is apathetic to God's word, James says, uh, be quick to hear. If you're prone to spout off arrogantly with how much you know or how you've been hurt, he says, be slow to speak. If you're fighting some aspect of the word that you don't like, the Bible says, be slow to anger. Every single day we wake up and get out of bed, we've been given another chance to resolve the anger and another day to allow Christ to sit on the throne of our lives and allow him to minister through us. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with anger and you've suppressed it and you're wearing the mask, but inside there's this seething mass of anger. God knows and through his power and with his help, he can help you master it. We live in a very angry world. People are angry everywhere. You see it. But we as believers, this is not our final home. I know this is a fallen place. There's people are going to come at you, say things, gossip about you. Listen, it's going to happen. But you've got to get past people. Just get through it. Because we are on this pilgrimage and we're on our way to the city of God. And soon and very soon when we enter the gates of the heaven, of heaven, we're going to enjoy the celestial peace, joy, and harmony of that place. But in the meanwhile, there are three practical spiritual steps we can begin to help us manage anger. Number one, begin the process of forgiveness. Lean into the spirit of acceptance and grace, the opposite of being judgmental. We did a study Wednesday night on prayer, and one of the subjects one person brought up, and they said, if we're not willing to forgive our brother, then God will not forgive us. So we are left with this great task of leaning into forgiveness and begin the process. Now, I realize I'm preaching to humans. Forgiveness is a process, but it begins with a choice. I choose to forgive. Number two, 
We give the incidents or grievance to God and allow ourselves to be released with this object or obsession of pain. Give it to God. Some of that sounds like a platitude. No, it really is. There are some things we got to just lay at the foot of the cross, say, I don't understand this. I can't figure it out. I don't know where this came from. But you know what, Lord? I don't have the time. Neither do I have the energy. Lord, I give it to you. And you got to come back to the, to the basis that the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We've got to give it to God and be released. And then number three, we need to ask God to fill us with understanding and mercy as we create a margin around those who hurt us. We got to create a margin. You got to make room for the fall of man. The best of Christians fail. I fail. You fail. Sometimes we commit sins of omission, things that I didn't intend that. that didn't, we do things, we say things without thought. And we hurt others. So we back away and we realize that all of us are sinful creatures, even though we're saved by grace and we're on our way to heaven. In this fallen world, bad things happen. And we got to create a margin around each of us and say, you know what? This is the grace that God has given me that I'm going to give to you. Grace to you, mercy and peace. And one day, all wrongs will be made right. And we're going to stand before Jesus, and we're going to have to answer for all the things we've said and done. And the master of the universe, the God himself, will straighten out all of the wrinkles and wash out all the blemishes, and the bride of Christ will be perfected in him, and there we will live in perfect harmony forever in the heavenlies with him. We have a great God. Be optimistic. Let go of the garbage down here. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Stop trying to figure it out. Get over yourself. You're not the first one that got hurt. Get over yourself and say, God, I'm giving this to you. Lord, help me to walk in grace and peace and help me to be a person that generously gives mercy and a margin of error around my loved ones. And God will give you grace. Anger. It's a very real emotion. We need to guard our hearts. That we would stay sweet. That we would be at peace. And that we can complete the mission that God has called us to do. With every head bowed and every eyes closed. This morning I pray... This sermon.